Hello, Real Life Family. It's Pastor Tim with you again, continuing our series on the book of Romans. So today we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. And as we've been going through the, the, the series, uh, we really have been taking on some hugely important doctrines of the church and some powerful words. So I just want to do a quick review with you real quick. One of the words that we've looked at is sanctification. And sanctification means that we are both uh, made holy with God, but we're also being made holy. And so our lives are to be consecrated to God, and, and we're special, we're separated. So uh, the idea of Scripture is that we have been called out of uh, the kingdom of darkness, out of death, out of brokenness, and we are being brought back into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of life, into eternal life, right? And so there's this uh, cleansing and separating that God is doing in our lives. And the first thing he does is he saves us and our spirit is born again and we're made right with God. Even though we've sinned and even though we continue to struggle with sin at times, we're still made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's also actually separating us, right, from the darkness, from the brokenness, from the pain, from the deception, from the world's way of uh, uh, the system of death, right? And we are being transformed. We're being renewed. That's called sanctification, okay? So that's what one of the words that we talked about. Another word we talked about, obviously, was sin. Uh, the first couple of chapters, Paul is talking about the, the human condition. The human condition, we are sinners. Uh, we are filled with brokenness. We've chosen to become our own God in a sense, and we didn't, we're not trusting in God, right? That's the story of the Bible. So sin at its core is me being my own God. It's me calling my own shots. Uh, it's my pride, my self-sufficiency, uh, my self-truth, and that's sin because there is a creator. There's a God who made truth. There's a God who, who created me, who's above me, who has eternal truth. Uh, and, uh, and so when we veer away from that, the, the God, the creator of life, we veer away from life itself and truth itself. And we sin. Uh, the, Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And we see that. We see the, the results of sin in our world today that uh, it doesn't work. It just destroys. Destroys lives. Destroys people, hearts, relationships. Uh, even the world. And so, yeah, so that's our condition of sin. We also talked about the word judgment in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. It says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And so, scriptures talk about two judgments. Um, this is what you want you want one death and two judgments. What you don't want is one judgment and two deaths, okay? So those are your choices. And so the Bible talks about these two judgments. One judgment determines your eternal destiny, and the second judgment determines your eternal rewards, if you get through the first judgment, okay? The first judgment is the great white throne judgment. And that is based on whether or not you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you lived your life by faith in Him. If so, at the great white throne of judgment, your name will be found in the Lamb's book of life. But everyone who has not placed their faith in Christ, who has not lived their life 
by faith through Jesus Christ, their name is not written in that Lamb's book of life. And then you experience the second death, eternal death, separation from God, right? But for those who have their name written in the Lamb's book of life, now there is a second judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. And that is really evaluating and holding us accountable to the life that we lived by faith in Christ and the works that God called us to do. Did we do them? And so all of our life's work and deeds will be tested by fire to determine our eternal reward. It's meant to be a celebration. It's not meant to be uh, something that we regret. Uh, and so we, by faith in Christ, build our lives on the foundation of Jesus and we live our, the rest of our lives for God. And so that we can earn just the, the reward of fulfilling God's purpose for our lives, which is also going to impact eternity for other people's lives because God calls us to love, love Him and to love others. And so I hope that's a great day of celebration for you and for me uh, when we celebrate our, all, the, all the things that God did through our lives. Only the works that God created us to do in Christ Jesus will pass the test of that judgment. All the other self-centered, prideful, sinful acts and deeds that we did at that point will be burned up. They won't make it. They won't have any eternal lasting, um, lasting to, to them at all effects. All right, another word that we looked at quickly is righteousness. And uh, it's been made very clear in the first couple of chapters of Romans that righteousness is not possible under the law, but only through faith in Christ. Romans 3, 20 to 22 says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I hope you're a believer. Place your faith in Jesus today. That's your only way to be made right with God. And also, last week we talked about faith. And faith is believing in God's faithfulness to do what He promised. Our faith in Jesus is a belief that we are forgiven and that we have eternal life through Him. That He paid a debt we could not pay. And, and by believing in Him, one day we also will be resurrected to eternal life in Him and through Him. Faith naturally produces works that are in alignment with our beliefs. And so as we are living a life of faith in Christ, we are also acting it out from, from our belief and our belief in who God is and what He's calling us to do. So today we're going to talk about grace. Grace. Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk about grace. Let's get into it, okay? So we often think of grace as God's forgiveness and mercy, uh, the undeserving, unmerited favor of God, which is true. But grace is also, that we'll see today, an era, okay, in which the believer enters into and lives within. It's a new way of living. So grace is not just the description of God's mercy. It's also the substance of God's empowerment for a new life. Okay? It's actually a reality. Grace is, is the power of God to enable us to live a different life in this era of grace, in this era of God's mercy. We actually are changed and transformed. So let's talk about that. So Romans chapter 5 
verses 1 to 2. Uh, some, these are verses that we've been working on memorizing, so I want to encourage you to do that. And if you haven't gotten one of these, I want to encourage you to stop by the church, get one of these, my life journal, Romans edition. I'm challenging everyone to memorize these verses in this journal, and this will help you do it. It'll walk you through how to do that. And then you'll have a really great grasp of the, the, some scriptures that really present the gospel very clearly uh, from the book of Romans. So come, in, come along, join us, and memorize these verses. I think there's 12 of them. You can do it, and then you'll be equipped to share the good news with other people. So anyway, these are a couple of verses that we've been memorizing. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified, or declared not guilty, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. All right, so there's a grace that we are able to stand in or live in, and it is made available where we gain access to this through faith in Jesus Christ. Once we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says here in this verse, we have peace with God. We are made right with God. And we walk into, we enter into a new era for our lives. A new way of living is called the era of grace. We are empowered to be changed. We are empowered to be uh, restored to the image of God. This is so awesome. The last part of Romans chapter 5, verse 2, uh, I didn't include in our memorizing, but I want to mention it. It says, um, <clears throat> And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'll get to that a little bit later. Skipping down and reading a little bit longer, um, further into the chapter, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, is a powerful uh, passage where it says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, right? Christ died for us. This is the demonstration of God's love. This is the good news that it wasn't after we got our act together. It wasn't after we changed our life. It wasn't after we repented. It says here that God died for the ungodly. He died for us while we were still sinning, right? And this is the epitome of the grace of God. Uh, it is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned mercy of God. God did this when we didn't deserve it, when we certainly didn't earn it or merit it. He demonstrated his love for us. He made a way for us even when we didn't even care, even when we were just you know, doing our own thing. And this is the good news of God. His love chases us down. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick, right? Jesus came for the ones who are sinning, who are broken, who are lost, who are hurting, who are sick, who are captive to sin, to brokenness, to death, to save us, to save us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? It's the love of God demonstrated to us. It is Jesus. Jesus is the definition of the love of God. He gave his life. That's what love is. It's giving your life away. Jesus says, I'm giving my life away for you. I love you. Even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to give my life away. To pay a debt for you that you don't even that you're not even aware of it at this time, I'm going to pay the debt for you so that you can be reconciled to God. So what's left to us? To place our faith in Him, to trust in Him, to turn the reins of our life over to Him. And when we do that, we enter into a brand new era. And when Jesus did this, Paul is saying in this chapter that an incredible new era began for mankind, for humanity, the era of grace, grace. So what are the implications of this grace of God revealed to us through Jesus' death and resurrection? Well, we're going to talk about it. This new era of grace has begun. So let me read a couple more verses, starting with verse 9. Since we have now been justified by His blood, uh, we've been declared not guilty by His blood. Paul uses this phrase five times in this chapter. How much more? How much more? shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. Verse 10, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So Paul is basically saying, if when we were the enemies of God, God died for us, saved us, how much more now that we are reconciled or made right with God, will we be saved in this life? It's going to change everything, right? If God loves us while we were at our worst, now that we're reconciled to God, now what, the, what are the possibilities? Even more blessing is what Paul is saying. How much more? How much more? We'll talk about that some more in a little bit. But I do want to back up a little bit and just make a distinction of these two eras. Because I said we're in a new era of grace. Well, what was the previous era? So here's where Romans 5, 2 comes back into place. When Paul says, we, and, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, I want to read about Adam in verses uh, uh, 12 through 14. It says here, so now Paul's going to use Adam as an example of what's going on with mankind. He says here in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Verse 14, Nevertheless, Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So now Paul is laying this, uh, this out here for us to understand. He is saying that when Adam sinned, sin brought, came to, to creation through Adam and Eve and through Adam's sin, and that brought the consequences of death. And it impacted all of creation and all of humanity. And he's saying through this one man, sin came into the world and all the world and all of mankind was affected by that sin. And we were all captive to this sin now. 
we entered into a era at that point, the era of death, the era of the loss of the glory of God. And, and now, through Jesus, we, a new era has begun. Jesus has redeemed us from the era of sin and death, the law of sin and death, and he has brought a new era of grace and life and fullness to restore us. So that's what Paul's talking about. So Paul's going to talk about the difference between Adam and his sin, which led to death, and Jesus and his righteousness, which leads to life. And he's saying, now you can choose who's your Lord. Are you going to remain enslaved to Adam, to sin, and to death? Or will you place your faith in Jesus and come out of the era of darkness and brokenness and death itself and be translated into Jesus as Lord, his righteousness, his life, his freedom, and eternal life in him? Okay, so that's what Paul is showing us. Jesus is the second Adam, but he's the one who did it right, okay? And Jesus reversed everything that Adam did wrong. Adam's sin, which produced death. Jesus died um, to reverse that death, but he was qualified to pay that penalty because he came and lived a righteous life instead of a sinful life. And his righteousness produced life instead of Adam's sin producing death. And so Jesus comes, and what Jesus does is his life swallows up the death sentence on mankind. Right? He's the light that swallows up the darkness, that dissipates the darkness. He is the life that overcomes death. Hallelujah! That's what Paul's talking about here in chapter 5. And he's saying, we can live a whole different life now. It's all different. So let's go back and just look a little bit at Genesis chapter 3. Okay? This is where the fall began, and this is what Paul is talking about with Adam. Now, with Adam, let's just kind of review very quickly a couple of different verses here. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, um, the God creates mankind, and he says this, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. Remember that, in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, of course, this is on day six of creation. This is the last day of God's activity, and this is the last act of creation God does. So man is, mankind, is the climax of God's creation. We are the masterpiece of God. Of all of the other creation parts that he did, the stars, the, the, you know, the, the oceans, the, the animals, everything, mankind is the last and the climax and the, the more special, the most, we are the most special part of all of creation. We are different than everything else that God created. We have been given the glory of God. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. This is who Adam was. Adam was made, handcrafted by God himself. He was made in the image of God. 
Man is the last and most important part of God's creation. Man is unique from all other parts of creation, including all the animals. Psalm 8, verse 5 and 6 says, God, you made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler of the works of your hands and you put everything under his feet. So the Bible says that we were crowned with glory and honor. God made us uh, in his image, in his likeness, so there was glory upon us and honor upon us. So animals were created, the Bible says, according to their kinds, not in the likeness or image of God. This is the difference. Genesis 1, 24 to 25 says, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Right? God made the wild animals according to their kinds. But God made mankind in his image, according to him, according to his kind. Do you see? We are made in the image and likeness of God. So when we look at some of the Hebrew words here, the word for God in uh, Genesis chapter 2, 7, where it says the Lord God formed the man from the dust, this word is yatsar. And this is um, a word that would be used to describe using your hands as a potter and forming, forming a creation. And so God says he scoops down and brings the dust of the earth, takes the very dust of the earth, and he, with his own hands, he begins to intimately form, fashion man. This is an intimate creation. God is intimately uh, um, involved in every detail of, of making us. He's making a self-portrait. God is making us in his image. He's putting his, his very self into us with his own hands. So he forms us, um, the outside of us, uh, with his hands uh, to, in his image. Now, Salem is another word for image, and that means like shape or resemblance or corresponding to the original. So we were made in God's image or we, we were made um, in, in corresponding to the original. Okay, And then uh, demut is the word likeness in Hebrew, demut. And that means that, um, that also we are made according to like the, uh, the morality, the nature, kind of the internal parts of us. Okay, And so when God formed man, he formed us according to his image, but then he breathed into us the breath of life. And when he breathed into us, his spirit came into us and formed the inside of who we are. And that's what brought us to life. We have a body, but we also have a soul, a spirit. And that came when God breathed into us his very spirit. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. So we look like God and we were made to, to be like God. And so God endowed us, Adam, listen to this, with morality and integrity. Adam was made to walk with God in alignment with him, uh, in God's truth, in godliness, in righteousness, and to enjoy life forever. Mankind was made to, to be filled with all of God's nature, his love, his joy, his peace, his truth, his righteousness, his justice, Everything in man was perfect. The very Spirit of God was breathed into man. And we were made in God's nature, not just His, his likeness um, uh, or His image, but His likeness, His nature as well. And so Adam was full of life, full of joy, full of peace, full of goodness. 
He was perfect and he was given dominion. Dominion of all the earth over all the animals to take care of it and to guard it and protect it and to create fruitfulness and to multiply the image of God on the earth. This is the destiny of man. The glory of man was to reflect the glory of God. And so there's a glory and an honor and a crown upon mankind. And mankind, Adam, was given the responsibility to shepherd, to guard, to protect, to develop, to serve, to, to lead creation in the ways of God. Do you see the picture? Can you imagine life at that time? The, the relationship quality that Adam had with God, the relationship that Adam and Eve shared together, the relationship they had with creation and animals, the peace, the love, the joy, the fruitfulness, the life, the colors, the, the purity of air and the beauty of creation. And there was no evil. There was no brokenness. There was no death. There was no, no uh, animals killing animals, no injuries, no sickness. Not, none of that existed. There was no sin, no brokenness, no shame. None of that stuff. No jealousy, no insecurity, none of it. And so, so there's a glory. The glory of God was upon God's creation. God made us in His image and in His likeness. And the reason why we're different is because of that from creation. That we alone, man, was made in the image of God. And man alone was received the breath of God, the Spirit of God that brought us to life. We have the Spirit of God within us. And so Adam became like God, both image and likeness, implying that man is created to represent God to all of creation. And so through this, we can see the incredible um, vision that God has for mankind, right? And God would not force Adam to be loyal to him. Uh, this is clear uh, in the dialogue that God had with Adam in chapter 2. And Adam could follow God's commands and remain alive with everything he would ever need. Or Adam could disobey God and fall under the dominion of death. God had given Adam everything he needed. Adam also had the ability to obey God and to overcome any opposition he would face because he had been given dominion over all the earth. And so God made it clear to Adam the consequences of choosing to obey him or disobey him. Right? So in Genesis chapter 2, we see this, verses 15 to 17. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it or to serve it and to take care of it or to guard and protect it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Uh, in the Hebrew, it says... Uh, uh, to mote, mote, or mote to mote. Die, you will surely die. That's what it means. And, and God says, on the day that you eat of it, you will die. Now, it's not like God had all these different criteria and stuff. It was just one tree. He's like, all these trees are yours. Everything you see is yours. Just not this one. Not this one. And on the day you eat of it, you will die. God made that very clear. Well, you know the story. Uh, Eve was deceived by the serpent. She also gave it to Adam. Adam knowingly ate and rebelled against the word of God, the word that God had given him. And, uh, and he sinned. And Adam was meant to be the guard, the keeper, the watcher over God's garden and creation, right? He was to serve by leading and teaching all of creation, God's ways and God's lives. So when Adam sinned, all of creation was affected and infected, I should also say. 
And Adam lost his relationship with his father, with the Father God. He lost his divine nature. He lost his dominion. And he came under the dominion of Satan and death. And so God's ways were no longer natural to Adam, but rather foreign to him. Everything changed. Mankind entered into the death realm, and the kingdom of darkness took over creation. And Adam lost the spirit of God, and now evil ruled in his heart. He lost the glory, the glory of God. And the first thing that we see happens is that Adam and Eve notice they're naked. Some theologians um, have this understanding that there was some sort of a glory upon Adam and Eve, the glory of God. And when, when they sinned, that glory was removed. And immediately, they, they, they felt shame. And they, they noticed that they were naked. And, and that's what the Bible says, in a sense, in, in verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They had shame, right? The first thing that happens is shame. And we begin to notice right away uh, in verse 10, uh, Adam's talking to God, and he says, I was afraid. So now we see fear for the very first time. And then in verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she's the one. She did it. She gave me the fruit. So he begins to um, be irresponsible and blame someone else. And we see in verse um, 16 that now there's pain. And God says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. And then we see a curse. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. So now we see thorns, thistles, curse, sweat. Uh, and then ultimately we see death. And God says, for, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And in the very next chapter, we see the first murder in the Bible. And now we begin to see mankind eating animals and animals eating each other. And we just have a complete cataclysmic, you know, Reaction all the way through all of creation, not just mankind's hearts, but the, the atmosphere, the earth, the animal kingdom, everything is infected by death and by this new era where the kingdom of darkness is now uh, taken over. Okay? That's the situation. All was lost, all was distorted, all was twisted. Death came, life left. Darkness came, light left. Evil ruled. Shame shows up, fear shows up, blaming others, shunning responsibility, physical pain, uh, toil, struggle, sweat, death. And, and by chapter 6, uh, in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the heart, the thoughts of his heart, was only evil all the time. In two more chapters, God decides to wipe out humanity because of the spiral of sin and the, the level of evil and wickedness in man's hearts. Unbelievable. So we had the flood and, and all of, all of uh, humanity is reset in a sense. Wow, this is what happened. We went from glory you know, to this kingdom of, of darkness and brokenness. So the glory is lost. And we see this in Paul's writings 
in Romans 3.23 where he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But listen, Romans 5.2, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's Paul saying? We lost the glory through sin, but through Christ, now we have hope for the glory of God to return. We can come back. Christ is going to rescue us back to our former glory before the fall, before sin, before all this brokenness. He's going to restore what the first Adam lost. The first Adam lost all of this. He brought death to us. Um, he brought darkness to us. He lost his dominion. He lost his glory. He lost the spirit of God. He lost the nature of God. And Jesus comes back uh, through his righteousness to restore the spirit of God, the nature of God, the dominion of God, the glory of God, and life to the full. Hallelujah. Do you see this? You see what he's doing here in chapter 5? And so Jesus wore a crown of thorns so we could be restored with a crown of glory. Right? Just like from the beginning in Psalms that we read, that we were given a crown of glory and honor, and Jesus wore that crown of thorns and thistles that we inherited from Adam. He took it upon him to the cross to restore to us his crown of glory and honor. Hallelujah. This is the new era of grace. We can walk into a new life. We can walk out of that old, fallen, broken world system of death uh, and, and misery. And we can walk into this new realm of grace and life and fullness. So the gospel comes to life. It's intensely practical. This message doesn't just bring, not that this isn't important, but it doesn't just bring a spiritual cleansing of our sins. It doesn't just declare us not guilty in the invisible courtroom of heaven to us. And it doesn't just inscribe our name in the Lamb's book of life, but it begins to change our lives right now. Today, we are changed. We are walking into a new space called grace. We have entered into this space of grace, as Paul says, by faith through Jesus Christ. This, and we've gained access into this grace in which we now stand. This different life that we can begin to live through Christ in us. So the gospel changes our lives today. Jesus has opened a way, a new way for us, a new era for us. Uh, that's, that's beyond what we have experienced before. Now we can be set free. We can be restored to glory. So Paul says, um, you have Adam compared to Jesus. Adam is the first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. Adam sinned. His death created uh, his sin created death for the whole world. Jesus' righteousness produces life for the whole world. Everybody who places their faith in him, right? Adam willingly disobeyed God and lost the glory. And listen to this. Jesus willingly obeyed God, gave his life so, we could, uh, so he could restore the glory. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and as I mentioned last week, in the same place where Adam was created, on the same mountain, tradition goes, Jesus went to that same place where he fell, right? Where his life was, and he shed his blood and reversed the curse on humanity by paying the debt we couldn't pay for ourselves. Hallelujah. So Adam's sin brought death to all, but Jesus' righteousness brings life to all who place their faith in him. That's why in Romans 5, 17, Paul says, For if by the trespass of the one man, 
death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, which is through Jesus Christ, and of the gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Just as Adam screwed it all up for all of us, how much more through the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, can we now not just be forgiven, but reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ. That's why we make him Lord. We put, we put him uh, above us. Because right now, what's Lord of our lives is sin. It's ourselves, right? It's sin. It's death. But we need to switch back our allegiance to Jesus, to God, and place our faith in him. And when we do that, we are going to reign in life. We're not going to be under the control of the dominion of death anymore. We're not going to be under uh, sin. We're not going to be slaves to sin. Uh, we can change. We can be free. We can be restored with the, the power of choice to actually obey God now because God regenerates us. He puts His Spirit in us. He gives us the power to live a godly life. And we're no longer inevitably going to sin. We can choose a righteous life through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It is a new era for you and for me, the era of grace. Paul goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men through Adam, so also the result of one act of righteousness, Jesus, was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. <laughs> awesome. And so we see, like I said before, five different places in Romans where Paul is saying, how much more, how much more? Let me just read those for you. Romans 5, 9. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? from God's wrath through him. Romans 5.10 For if when we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Romans 5.15 But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow, overflow to many? And then Romans 5, 17, I just read, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And Romans 5, 20, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, all the more, superabounds, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I just want to close this message by reminding you, as you continue to read and study Romans, especially Romans chapter 5, I want you to understand that Paul is teaching us that there is a new era available to you and to me, that we can reign in life, 
We do not have to be a slave to sin anymore. We are no longer under the authority of sin. We're not under the authority of the devil. We are not under the authority of death anymore, that he can heal us from sickness and disease. He can set us free from uh, hurts of the past. He can set us free from wrong thoughts and, and generational curses and generational opinions that are ungodly and worldly. He can change our minds. He can change our bodies. He can change our life. He can change our legacy. And that's the new era of grace. You are called to reign in life. You are no longer under the power of sin. You are now under the power of God if you place your faith in Him. And I want to encourage you to grow in your faith, to keep learning and studying, to see who you are in Christ. Because the more you grow and see who you are in Christ, the more you're going to come alive in Him and in the purpose that God has for your life. Colossians 3.10 puts it this way. Paul wrote, wrote this letter too, and he says this, Put on the new self. There's an old self, that old sinful Adam in all of us, that sinful nature that used to rule and reign. But now we have a God nature. The Holy Spirit comes in us. And Paul says, put that off. That's no longer who you are. Take it off. Throw it away. Learn who you are in Christ. He says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we need to grow. We need to see who we are in Christ. And that's why we study the Bible. That's why we come to church. That's why we are praying and worshiping, because we're connecting with God. We are rediscovering the glory of God and how God has made us to be His image bearers on the earth, to be free, to be full, to be leading a life in truth, in morality, in integrity. Not because we have to, not because it's our religion, but because that's who we are. That's who we were created to be. That's our nature. We are God's kids, and we are here to reflect Him, to know Him, and to live this exciting life in Him and through Him. Well, as I close this message, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. The Bible makes it clear, and I think it was pretty clear today, that this is something we need to receive. When we receive Christ, we are placing our faith in Him, and we cross over from death into life. And we cross over from a life of slavery to sin and under the kingdom of darkness into a life of righteousness and being under the kingdom of life and love and eternity. So pray this prayer with me. If you want to get right with God, you want to make sure that you're right with Jesus, okay? Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, today I place my faith in you, that you are the Son of God, and that you did come and live a holy life, a perfect life. And because of your love, you went to the cross and you gave your life to redeem mine from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death, the kingdom of sin. And so today I place my faith in you. I honor you. I trust in you. I surrender my life to you. You are my Lord. I serve you and you alone. May your Holy Spirit fill me so I have that fresh and new God power to live this new life in you. Show me and teach me how to reign in this life through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
I just want to encourage you to keep reading and studying and fellowshipping. Get to church as often as you can. That's where God is uh, in a special way when His people gather together. And uh, I just want to encourage you. So let me pray the the blessing of the Lord on you uh, as we close, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. Amen. Amen.